All right, that brings us to uh, the four that are before the throne of God. So this is going to be Revelation 4, 7 to 8, uh, the four living creatures before the throne. All right, so my next, Mark's not here yet, is he? Mackenzie, could I have you read this? Yes. The first creature was like a lion, and the second creature like a calf, and the third creature had a face like that of a man, and the fourth creature was like a flying eagle. And the four living creatures, each one of them having six wings, are full of eyes around and within. And day and night they do not cease to say, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God, the Almighty, who was and who is and who is to come. Thank you. All right, so these four living creatures before the throne, uh, they are pretty unique in heaven. Um, I think they're cherubim, and I'll show you why I think that. Uh, but essentially, we, we do see distinctions among the angels. Not all angelic creatures are exactly the same. Um, we've got cherubim, we've got seraphim, we've got archangels, we've got heralding angels. Uh, so there's a lot of different distinction and diversity between the angels these four seem to have a very specific function. We see that they're given four different natures here. One is like a lion, one like a calf, one like the face of a man, and one like a flying eagle. Uh, in, in Ezekiel, when we see these, we see that all four have all four of these natures, where um, it even gives us the direction that that face would uh, be positioned towards. So for instance, all four of these angels each had all four of the heads um, represented here. So that's an interesting difference between um, Ezekiel and Isaiah, or not Isaiah, John here. I think John definitely got a, um, I mean, a, a clearer view and a less frightening view. But then again, reading the book of Ezekiel can be terrifying just be because of the description of the angels. Um, they're not necessarily the little cherubs floating on on cloud strumming instruments um, i think we'll even look at one of those here in a second um, but here's what john walvard um, the second dean of dallas seminary had to say about um, about the nature of what these four uh, represent or what they are in heaven so he says probably the four living creatures symbolically represent the attributes of god including his omniscience and omnipresence, indicated by the creatures being full of eyes, with the four animals bringing out other attributes of God, the lion indicating majesty and omnipotence, the ox typical of faithful labor and patience, man indicating intelligence, and the eagle, the greatest bird representing supreme sovereignty. Now, uh, these four images uh, have been used especially in the... Uh, in the first few centuries of the church to represent the four gospels. And it's pretty, uh, some of the parallels are pretty interesting. That being said, no one agrees on which animal represents which gospel. Um, for example, the lion could represent Matthew, being that Matthew is the revelation of the king of Israel. Um, but uh, the lion is also the patron animal of the saint Mark. Uh, so some put that with Mark. Then the man, uh, some say this would be Luke, because Luke gives us the fullest account of Christ's um, humanity, of his manhood. 
but others say that because he is the king that this represents Matthew. And then uh, the ox, many would say that this represents Mark, um, because in Mark he's shown as the faithful servant of God. Um, but again, some disagree. Some think that that's Luke. Uh, the one that's pretty consistent is the eagle. Most view the eagle as representing John's gospel, uh, where God is, where Jesus is shown in his full deity. But Walvoord gives us a couple more possibilities here, two more. He says another possible view is that they represent Christ as revealed in the four gospels, in Matthew, the lion of the tribe of Judah, Mark, the ox is the servant of Yahweh, in Luke, the incarnate human Jesus, and in John, the eagle as the divine son of God. Another alternative is that the four living creatures are angels. Um, see, for instance, Isaiah 6, 2 through 3, uh, who exalt the, or extol the attributes of God. So either way, we're dealing here with attributes of God. And I think that's uh, pretty significant here, where we, we are seeing God on his throne, uh, the Almighty over the universe. He is omnipotent. He's omnipresent. Uh, I think that's a, a pretty good summation, whether or not they're angels or whether they're cherubim. I don't think uh, that matters as much. I don't think they're angels uh, because the angels are given to us um, they are separated from this body of the living creatures in chapter five. Uh, all right, so they have six wings and eyes all around them. The six wings we also see in Isaiah six, two through three. It says, Seraphim stood above him, each having six wings. With two, he covered his face, and with two, he covered his feet, and with two, he flew. And one called out to another and said, holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. Uh, in Isaiah 6, and I, I included uh, an article that I wrote uh, in the email that I sent out, but it's also on our website under podcasts uh, here for Isaiah 6. These seraphim do have some similarities with the cherubim, the living creatures of Revelation 4. They have six wings. Um, they are before the throne of God. They serve a similar function here in Isaiah 6. Uh, when you get into, I think, verse 7 and 8, you see that they're, they pick up coals from the fire and touch them to the lips of Isaiah. Uh, and it has a sanctifying work on him in order to send him out as a prophet uh, to the land of Israel. And in Isaiah, we see as well that these, um, the cherubim or the uh, the four living creatures carry around these coals inside spinning wheels. Uh, and they also carry the throne of God. So in Ezekiel 1, 17 through 19, uh, these cherubim that carry the throne of God, they're said to be full of eyes round and about. It says whenever they moved, they moved in and they moved in any of their four directions without turning as they moved. As for their rims, they were lofty and awesome, and the rims of all four of them were full of eyes round and about. Whenever the living beings moved, the wheels moved with them, and whenever the living beings rose from the earth, the wheels rose, rose also. Um, so again, this concept of being full of eyes, or I think omnipresent and omniscient, uh, uh, is correlated with these living creatures of Ezekiel's vision as well. 
though there are differences to be noted. Uh, but in Ezekiel 10, he refers to these living creatures as cherubim. So he says, then I looked and behold, in the expanse that was over the heads of the cherubim, something like a sapphire stone in appearance resembling a throne appeared above them. So uh, this is why I think these four living creatures are cherubim, because uh, Ezekiel conflates the term living creatures and, uh, and cherubim. And the cherubim, if you remember, are also the creatures that are depicted on the top of the Ark of the Covenant. Um, so these are closely related with the throne of God. All right, so in verse 8, part B, uh, we hear what they are singing, and they're singing it continually. Um, day and night, they never cease, singing, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God, the Almighty, who was and who is and who is to come. In Isaiah 6, 2 through 3, this is also the song of the uh, seraphim. They sing, holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And in Ezekiel 10, 4 to 5, uh, we see that this is the throne of the Almighty, the Almighty being the superlative of might, um, that there is none stronger. It says, then the, the glory of the Lord went up from the cherubim to the threshold of the temple, and the temple was filled with the cloud, and the court was filled with the brightness of the glory of the Lord. Moreover, the sound of the wings of the cherubim was heard as far as the outer court, like the voice of God Almighty when he speaks. And here in Revelation 1, 4, uh, John has opened his letter by speaking of uh, the, from whom he received the letter, and he says, from him who is and who was and who is to come. So we, we see that John is hearing these songs in heaven. Uh, this is being repeated continually. So it's only natural that when he writes his address uh, to the churches regarding this book, that he's going to be including those revelations uh, into his address. And this is, again, speaking of um, the infinite nature of God, that he has no beginning, he has no end, uh, but also that he is present with us now. So it says, from him who is, uh, making that, uh, drawing it out of the natural chronology and making that prominent here in the sentence that he is the one who is. And then, he is the one who was and who is to come.